This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, we discuss careers in aviation law with Jenny Urban. You know, before we begin, a few words from our sponsor. Our sponsor of this podcast is PlainEnglishSim.com. It's an app-based aviation radio simulator, and it's an easy way to gain radio proficiency, both VFR and IFR. You know, Plain English Sim has given away 10 scholarships guides, so act fast. Use the coupon code Plain English Sim. It's that simple for one year free access to the scholarships guide online. And for those that don't know about the scholarships guide, we have over $120 million in aerospace scholarships in that guide. Everything from learning to fly and moving on to higher ratings, maybe getting an Airbus rating uh, or possibly a Boeing rating, that type of thing. You can find more about that scholarships guide, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships. Joining me again is Jenny Urban to discuss the career field of aviation law. Jane has obtained numerous degrees attending the University of Mississippi, including a bachelor's in public policy leadership, and political science, a master's of business administration, a juris doctorate, and a master's of law in air and space law. Needless to say, she's an old Miss fan, and I'm excited to have her on the show today to help you understand the career of aviation law. Well, welcome to the show, Jenny, and it's great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I was really excited to be able to join you today. You know, Jenny, it's really something that is uh, a lot of people don't understand what what aviation law is. So we're going to try to really help people understand what the career field is all about. But first, before we start that, I want to talk a little bit about your interest in aviation and how you gained an interest in aviation and pointed toward aviation law. Yeah, so absolutely. Well, you know, I was very fortunate growing up. Um, my family did a lot of traveling and I was not the child that hated getting on the plane. I was the one, you know, waving to everyone as I walked down the aisle. I thought going on to the airport and getting to be on the moving sidewalks was the best thing. That was better than going to Disney World for me. Um, So, you know, I loved flying from a young age and I really enjoyed traveling. And I knew growing up that I wanted to pursue a career that engaged a lot with traveling, but also uh, had an international impact. You know, I really have always wanted um, to pursue something that allowed me to connect with other cultures that were much different than my own. And, you know, I didn't really know how to do that. I I hadn't quite figured it out. So when I was actually getting um, my master's of uh, business administration as a part-time gig, I uh, babysat for professors. And one of the professors said, hey, there's another professor that is actually in charge of the aviation law program. She comes down um, for like eight weeks to teach a course and she has a two-year-old. Would you be willing to um, babysit for her while she's here, while she teaches the class? And I said, absolutely. And that's how I met uh, the wonderful Jackie Sarau, who is now an attorney um, with the International Office of the FAA. Uh, that was the uh, director. She was also the director of the LLM program at Ole Miss um, for aviation and space law. 
and uh, her sweet daughter, Ellie Bell, who is now, I believe, 10. She was the little girl I babysat. So not only did it go well babysitting for her, but I got to hear her talk about her class. And then I was very fortunate enough to become uh, their travel babysitter. And so while Jackie went to other countries to help, um, you know, establish better, safer policies um, within that respective country's uh, aviation laws. I was her babysitter. And then I started being able to also attend some of the meetings with her. And so that really just sparked my interest. And thanks to Jackie and Ellie, um, I realized very quickly that I wanted to go into aviation law. And this was going to allow me to pursue my interest in traveling and connecting with other cultures. Wow. So it's through the job of actually babysitting that it turned into this career in aviation law. You never know, uh, you know, we're going to get spur that interest. You know, it's funny because uh, a lot of people say, what job haven't you had to me, you know, on the show? And I, I uh, tell people I haven't been a waiter, but I have a similar story where I was actually a babysitter for one of my professors. And you can learn so much from your professors when you have this intimate knowledge of their family, et cetera. And they, they share so much, especially their passion uh, for their careers and their jobs. They truly are passionate about it, which is so wonderful. So now you have this passion and it's, it's developed through through babysitting. I, I just love that story. It's so terrific, Jenny. Uh, now you decided to move forward with that. It's incredible your background as far as uh, all your letters and all your degrees. Uh, but if someone's looking at this from the standpoint of the other end of it, you know, coming out the other end, it's a lot of work. What what really is an aviation attorney? What, what does that job entail? Yeah. So um, it can really entail a lot of different things. And while I do have, you know, quite a few uh, letters behind um, my name, that's in due part to me wanting to stay at Ole Miss for more football seasons. Um, you don't have to have all of those, obviously, to become an aviation attorney, which we can get into in a little bit. Um, but there's, you know, just by saying attorney, I think a lot of people can sometimes think, oh, and if you say you're an attorney, you know everything about every aspect of the law from real estate to tax or anything. Please don't ever ask me anything about tax law. I have no idea on it. But in regards to aviation, you know, um, the main three types that I would hit on is that there's regulatory um, aviation law. So that has to do with, you know, the laws um, set forth and regulations set forth by the FAA, DOT, uh, the TSA. Um, then there's also uh, aviation litigation. So that would be a lot um, in regards to any cases that are litigated, whether it be on the aircraft with an unruly passenger, possibly, or, you know, it could be litigation of an, uh, you know, aircraft crash. And then the third type that I like to touch on, which I've done a little bit about is um, aviation finance. And that's the, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into aviation finance, especially because you can have a Japanese bank financing a Turkish Airlines aircraft and the aircraft could be made by a U.S. manufacturer. And so there's a lot that goes into the aviation finance as well. But a lot of times if, um, you know, in the area you practice, you end up asking um, other attorneys, such as me being in regulatory, I might say, hey, I need a litigation attorney to help me with this. And uh, so you get to meet a lot of different people and the field of aviation law is really small. Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed when you were talking about all these different types of law is that I think we have a lot of mis 
<laughs> conceptions about lawyers in general. I mean, so we watch TV, we watch the movies and we see them in the courtroom and it's so dramatic and they're, they're presenting their cases and, and there's a hushed silence when they, the jury is out and all of a sudden they come back with, you know, the verdict, but uh, it's not quite like that. I don't think. And I think there's a lot of mi- misconceptions about, you know, what the actual career is about. I mean, you touched on a few, is there any others that you can think of? Well, you know, um, I think you're absolutely right, first of all, on that with the TV shows. But, you know, if any producers are listening and they want to make a show about aviation attorneys, I'm more than willing to be the star. Um, But uh, in regards to different types, you know, there's a lot of also just different types of law that touch in aviation where you could be practice, have a different main practice area, but then do a little bit of a side bit within uh, aviation. So such as real estate, you know, at airports, uh, they're having to do a lot of real estate contracts construction contracts. And with that being, you know, very difficult, I don't want to say difficult, excuse me, you know, very regulated properties, you got to make sure that you have the right attorneys that understand the aviation field and what's going to be done there. You don't want someone that has no idea how to build a contract for a runway, you know, and they've only done suburban residential areas. That's going to be different. Um, Also, environmental law is a big one right now. Um, in regards to, you know, I, I know that there's different noise aircraft um, regulations coming into play. And so that's having attorneys from different areas that are getting involved. And then a lot in regards to um, unmanned aircraft. Um, and that's a really big area. And that uh, unmanned aircraft also has regulations, litigation stuff. And, I, you know, I uh, previously in the past done some unmanned aircraft work. And that's interesting because it get, allows you to get into other inter- industries. So I used to go give presentations um, on regulations and having to get a Part 107 license to fly a drone for commercial purposes to clients in the oil and gas industry or water industry. And so that was that's really cool. And that's a, definitely an, a space that I see expanding. Well, it's interesting. You talked about all those different areas of law. So what I'm thinking is if if you're looking at aviation law, you don't necessarily have to be an aviation attorney. Say you're someone who's interested in the aviation field, but wants to say, be someone who's uh, negotiating contracts, say for uh, different unions and the company. Would Would you have to have an aviation law degree to do that? Absolutely not. And most people don't, you know, Ole Miss. And when I say Ole Miss, for those of you who don't know, Ole Miss is the same as the University of Mississippi. But, you know, I I call it Ole Miss Rebels. And um, anyone that, you know, is a football fan likely knows it, even if our team is still progressing at being good again. But, um, you know, we're we're working on it there. Um, But Ole Miss has one of the very few aviation and space law programs in the entire world. Um, I know when I was there, there were only three programs um, like it in the world. I'm not sure if there are now more, but most of the colleagues I work with um, do not have a specialty in aviation law. They somehow got into it because of their passions or, you know, they might have interned at the FAA or DOT and got into it that way. But absolutely not. You know, I loved my LLM. I encourage people to go to look at the old Mrs. program. Um, but I, I, you absolutely don't need an LLM in aviation to get into it. So if somebody is interested in aviation law, but they're not actually, because uh, there's many other jobs around aviation law besides being an attorney, uh, what type of degrees and qualifications would someone need to actually become either attorney in aviation law or the other jobs? What other jobs are associated Absolutely. So, I mean, to be an attorney, you obviously have to have a law degree. So in that regard, you'd have to 
have a law degree and, you know, pass a bar, um, uh, you know, a one of the state bars. Um, but there is a lot in regards to, you know, that you might need aviation law knowledge, but um, don't necessarily need to have a law degree. Um, for example, I um, am an adjunct professor currently for an undergraduate aviation sciences program. And a lot of my students are aircraft mechanics um, or they want to learn aircraft management, airport management. And, you know, I know Auburn has a great um, uh, aviation management program. So you could look at things like that, but then getting, you know, some of these schools have classes where it teaches you a little bit about the regulations. You could also go into the field of compliance or investigations. You know, I've done a lot with investigations. That's really great. Um, really cool field as well as um, one thing, one group I work a lot with that people might not necessarily assume is I work a lot with law enforcement and that's, you know, definitely city law enforcement as well as the airports law enforcement. And um, those are really great people to work with. And you wouldn't imagine all the stuff that they handle on a daily basis and all the things you might necessarily see happening at airports. So they, they handle a lot, but they're really great to work with. And so there's all different fields. And I, I really can't think of a field off the top of my head that you couldn't somehow connect with aviation. Yeah, I, I I very much agree. I think one of the things we talk about in this podcast is there's so many different jobs at the airport, and there's so many things that are involved. If the person that's constructing the the jet bridge and the and even any parts of the terminal, you're going to need an attorney involved. I mean, just for all the things that you talked about, you know, environmental impacts and and licensing, et cetera. Um, the other part of that, though, there are other people that are interested in, in the maybe not becoming an attorney, but there's many other fields that are involved in, the, in, a, in and around the law. What are kind of some of those jobs? I mean, somebody who kind of helps out, you know, the support staff. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, within each um, agency or administration, there's definitely the people that are inspectors and the inspectors have to be able to know the regulations inside and out so that they can know whether or not different companies um, are abiding by the regulations. And so that's one that I would really recommend. Also, you know, compliance jobs don't always require a law degree. So that might be someone internally that's working with these inspectors to ensure that compliance is being met um, by the companies as well. So those are two of the ones that I see a lot. But there's also policy, uh, you know, policymakers and lobbyists those ones are going to help change the different policies. And then also industry groups. There's a lot of people that work either for industry groups or involved with industry groups, um, such as Airlines for America, who really helps see what changes might need to be made or who can go and advocate on behalf of the aviation industry. Yeah, so there is a huge support staff there, that's for sure. And the compliance is interesting. What you said about law enforcement and compliance, uh, you know, have, you know, working at the airlines, people are surprised how much we actually have to uh, both call law enforcement and also, you know, consult with them and consult with the attorneys. I mean, honestly, it's it's a, it's maybe once a month I do. It's like, hey, what do we do in this situation? And there's some very odd situations that come up. You know, how do you how do you handle this uh, to do it properly and be within the laws of, of that state, of that country? Uh, so it is very diverse. And, and you talked about getting to know different places in the world. It's, it's fascinating uh, because of the fact that you have to understand that. Absolutely. And one, one thing that I did leave out that's probably one of my most favorite things that I get to work on, you know, while I am an aviation attorney, I work, I've worked in compliance, I've worked in regulatory, but 
I absolutely love emergency and crisis management. And that's a great industry to go into because aviation, we know, you know, people get stressed out when they fly. People, you know, there's different things. People like to have a cute few um, glasses of wine possibly before they even get to the airport and, you know, unruly passengers um, or, you know, there could be different animals on board that could cause a crisis or you, you wouldn't even think about also uh, natural disasters. So there's definitely groups that help in regards to, you know, when the hurricanes, um, when it's hurricane season or tornado season, possibly hitting or impacting the airports. That is a um, big aspect that I would definitely encourage listeners to look into because that job is always going to be needed. And it's such an interesting job that you learn something new with almost every single situation. You know, while you're talking, I, I was thinking it's interesting, but it sounds like a lot of those situations are, are immediate. So as far as the hours that you work, do you get a phone call in the middle of the night if something like this comes up? Absolutely. You know, that is definitely one of some people would look at it as a challenge of the job. I look at, at it as, you know, maybe not always ideal, but I enjoy it because it keeps you on your toes. And, you know, as long as you have a, a presence of executive calmness, you're able to really help in those situations when it might be the most stressful situation that someone's gone through. So absolutely ours. I like to say that business hours don't exist in the aviation world, at least not for my role. And I am very used to getting calls, um, you know, 1 a.m. in regards to something or getting a call for some reason. Friday nights are a big one. So, you know, even especially if I'm at dinner with friends, if I make plans, I can almost guarantee that something might go down. So. So that, that is one of the challenges of the job is, uh, you know, connected to a cell phone and uh, you're going to get calls at all sorts of different times. Uh, what are, since we're on it, what are some of the other challenges of being an aviation attorney? I think just that it's always changing. Um, you know, and when I talk about challenges, I actually enjoy a lot of the challenges that it brings. You never, you know, some, some jobs you might know exactly what your day-to-day um, is going to bring. You know, you're going to go in, you know, you're going to turn on your computer, fill out emails. I never know what my day is going to involve. And I enjoy that. But it is a challenge sometimes. You know, if you have a to do list and you're wanting to get everything done, or you have a lot of projects you're working on, and then you have a, a couple emergencies, or, you know, someone is going a little cuckoo in the airport and, you know, you're having to help with an investigation that can definitely lead to it. So I would say just never knowing what you're going to do. And then also ensuring you keep up with um, new regulations and new policies. And I think that's especially important right now um, as we have a new administration. You know, I I had been a relatively newer attorney um, when the last administration began. And that was when they were changing different regulations or cutting back on regulations. Um, I don't think we know enough about this new administration to see what they're going to do there with aviation, but keeping up to date on those so that you can ensure your clients are being compliant and understanding um, what they need to do. And then finally, I would say a challenge, but this has been a challenge for everyone is COVID, but ensuring that everyone, you know, that the airlines or the airports are doing best practices and also like just learning how things work, putting yourself in the situations, not just being the lawyer that sits at the desks and tells people what to do, but really getting in the airport, getting on the aircraft, seeing what's going on. That's something key that I like to do. So I know what I'm talking about fully. 
knowing the regulations, keeping up with everything. Uh, I know it's a challenge right now, change administration, that kind of thing. That's always that it, when administrations change. Uh, do you also have to keep up with your license in, in, as an attorney? Is there things that you need to do throughout the year? Is that a challenge? Um, I wouldn't necessarily call that a challenge. It really depends if you are actively practicing and it also depends on the state. So, you know, if you're actively practicing in, say, the state of New York, then you would need to be doing what's called a CLE, continuing legal education. You have to do so many, so many different types, such as ethics. Um, but it really does vary state to state. Now, where it gets complicated is when you're licensed in multiple states, uh, like I am. But um, it also, again, it's if you're actively practicing and if you're actively practicing in that state. And something I did want to make clear on here is that while I am an aviation attorney, nothing I'm saying in that regard is legal advice. So anything I'm saying is just educate for educational purposes. And so that and I guess that would also go to another challenge is, while aviation is mostly federally regulated, you know, there can be different aspects and uh, of law or state and local um, mandates, such as when states had previously, this was, I would say, uh, definitely a few months back, different requirements as to masks within the airports. Um, You know, did you have to wear it if you were in Michigan or did you not have to wear it if you were in Mississippi? And that's where it can also require different attorneys that are licensed in different states. So how does a say an airline deal with that? I mean, they fly everywhere. Do they ha- do they normally have like one attorney and then have other ones in other states they consult with? How does that work? Um, well, you know, every airline is different, but there's definitely most airlines, um, if not all, have in-house um, attorneys. And when I say in-house, that means attorneys that work directly for the airline. And then a lot of them have um, outside counsel. And so that would be maybe someone in different areas. So for example, I had a airline client that we worked with that was wonderful, that was looking um, to acquire another airline. And um, in that regard, you know, I I was based in DC at the time, um, helping with US regulatory policies. And then I met a great friend, Carlos, who is an aviation attorney in Mexico, who is also representing that same airline for the regulations in Mexico. So, you know, a lot of times airlines will get local counsel in different regards to ensure they're meeting different regulations. And that, that really does depend on where the airline's flying, what they're doing, but they definitely, there's a lot of legal involved and a lot of legal fees um, for the airlines. You know, one of the things you're convincing me, it's, I always thought it was a very niche market, but there's many attorneys that, that are involved in this business of aviation. They don't necessarily have a degree in aviation law, but have a, a degree in law and can help in many different aspects. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, one organization that I'm very involved with is the International Bar Association. Um, and that encompasses attorneys from all over the world. And um, that we usually pre-COVID had annual conferences. And, um, you know, two years ago, it was in Rome. Last year, well, I guess 2018, it was in Rome. 2019, it was in Seoul. And I'm a part of the aviation committee. And, you know, aviation, like I said, is small but global. You know, there's different areas. And luckily, each year, it's a great opportunity to come together with your friends from all over the world, Turkey, Italy, Mexico, And we all have this great friendship within the aviation community and, you know, um, are able to come together, talk about different policies, but go to these conferences and see what else is happening in other parts of the world that we might not be aware of. So it really is, while it's a small area, it's also a global area and it really does impact different things. 
You know, going back to some of the challenges, Jenny, I, uh, you know, one of the questions I didn't, uh, didn't even think to ask you is how about the, the challenges of being uh, a female in this field? Are there many females in the, in the field of aviation law or, uh, or is that, I didn't look at the statistics, but in general, is that, is it, is it even, I, I'm not sure. Um, I wouldn't say it's even, but you know, one of the ways I have always looked at things is that I'm no different. I don't think it matters what gender you are and I don't see myself as different. And by not um, seeing yourself as different, I think that you were put on the exact same playing field. I um, Now, with that being said, I feel like actually I've had an advantage almost um, being a female because you know, typically I might be the only female in the room, but guess what? They're going to remember me and they're going to know that I know my stuff that I'm talking about. And so when I'm going into a conference, I typically have a rule and some people may laugh, but I wear bright colors. I have a theory that the queen of England wears bright colors so she can be seen. And so do I. So I'll walk in a room with um, gentlemen in all dark suits and I'll be in that bright red dress. And it's really been an advantage, but you know, and so I really want to encourage you know, everyone, no matter your gender or race, to um, absolutely pursue the field of aviation. And, you know, it's a very, very welcoming field. I didn't know, you know, these attorneys that I talk about in the IBA or people from all over, but at these conferences, it is so welcoming. It says, hey, you want to come to this reception? You want to do this? And we really do embrace each other. And I love that we're all so open culturally. You never know what someone's going to say or what someone's going to do. But that's what I love about aviation is that there's no there's nothing holding you back in that regard. And I would say go out, pursue it. And, you know, also age sometimes it can be a thing that um, some people notice. And, you know, there at one point there was a lot of um, aviation or there is a lot of aviation attorneys that are around my my mother's age, you know, and I'm in my early 30s. And then there wasn't a lot in the middle. And then there was a new group around my age. And that, um, you know, I asked a good friend of mine why that was. And it was that that middle group kind of was around when the um, airline started merging um, back a couple decades ago. And it was that, you know, a lot of those attorneys that had just gotten in the field had to find new areas to practice in. And so, um, you know, while people may be intimidated by seeing these aviation attorneys, um, like two of the ones that I worked for at the beginning, David Heffernan and Mark Atwood of Cozen O'Connor, who are just wonderful aviation attorneys, you know, I might have been quite a few years younger than them, but by no means did that hold me back. It actually helped have some really great mentors, except the one thing I've learned with that in regards to age is I, I asked one of them if they knew anything about life of aircraft regulations. And... Yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that because they asked me if I knew the um, if I was aware of the Aloha flight. You might remember it, Carl, the one that essentially became a convertible in air. And I said, when was that? I believe it was 1989. I said, well, that was the year I was born. So I've learned how <laughs> to do that in meetings. But um, in that regard, I would say nothing needs to hold you back in gender, race or age in the field. Right. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you brought that up. I uh, and and one of the reasons I brought this up now is I, I'm going to my women in aviation meeting. But uh, I really I love the fact that aviation is open all these different cultures and it does bring the world together. And uh, like here with this show, I mean, we have people listening all these different countries: South America, across the pond, and in Russia. And it really does bring the world together, both from uh, a gender perspective and a cultural perspective. Um, you know. 
going back though to the, you talked a little bit about some of the challenges, but they sound like they were actually rewards. Um, so let's talk. Let's switch gears to rewards, and I'm going to actually go ahead and look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics for you, because uh, a lot of people always ask about pay and things like that. It's it's similar to attorneys in general. And just to give you the stats, it's the median pay for an attorney was 122000 back in 2019. So that's what you're looking at. That's directly in the middle. Uh, so there's people that make more than that, people that make less than that, et cetera. But, uh, so if you're looking at it, a career that you want to make sure you can make a living, you're going to make a good living as an, in, as an aviation attorney. I think that's important. Uh, I know we're one of the few people that talk about that, but I think it's very important to understand what you can expect so you can Keep the lights on, but also uh, what type of lifestyle to expect. So in that, do you feel that aviation attorneys kind of go towards the higher end, middle, or is it just the same as any other type of job as an attorney? I think that, you know, it's going to differ a lot um, and it can differ a lot throughout your career. So obviously it's going to differ, you know, if I was practicing aviation law in Mississippi, you know, there's a much lower cost of living here. Um, and I say here because I'm currently staying in Mississippi during the pandemic, um, than there would be in DC or New York. Um, but there, not only is it based on your location, I would say it's also based on what type of law or what type of organization you're with. So, you know, while, while you look at the government jobs, I think that they are while paying, but that they're likely going to be on the lower end. So, you know, being an attorney for the Department of Transportation or the FAA, it's still a government job, but you can definitely work your way up to be a higher pay scale within it. However, I wouldn't let that deter um, you from getting a job, especially starting out your career in government or even going to it um, after working at a firm because the skills you can get, and I have not worked within the government within aviation, but this is just based off of what my friends have told me. They have such great skills and they're so sought after after leaving the government that then it helps them get really great pay at law firms. Now, the private large firms that I work at, I would definitely I've worked at in the past, I would definitely say are on the higher end of that. Um, but something that you need to remember is also as you progress as an attorney, you know, as an associate, you're working for partners in a law firm, but you know, once you're a partner, you got to be bringing in the money too for the firm. You got to be having these clients. And so making sure you're someone that can bring in clients, that's going to also have an impact on your pay, um, regardless of if you're in a large firm or small firm. And so I think it can really range. But you also, when I say the money amount, some of these large firms are the ones that we're getting calls in the middle of the night, you know, and different aspects of that. Also, if you're working in, you know, you have an aviation law background, but you're working in some of these other jobs, you know, I've talked about compliance or other things, it, that pay scale can really range. And it's really just going to depend on the industry you're working within. Interesting. You know, that's uh, actually, uh, my brother went from government to private and uh, just exactly what you said, the the pay scale was a big jump, especially when he made partner. Uh, but it, it's not just about the pay. There's a lot of other rewards. Obviously, there's benefits and things like that. Uh, what are some of the other rewards that are focused maybe around pay, but maybe not around pay? Absolutely. So one thing I get asked a lot, and this is actually not a reward, but people say, oh, you're an aviation attorney. You get to fly for free. And I'm, I say, nope, I don't give them legal advice for free. So they don't let me fly for free. Um, and so <laughs> that, you know, that's something you don't get. However, I've been fortunate in the positions I have had because um, I've gotten to do a lot of travel and I enjoy traveling, even if it's at a moment's notice. 
going out and engaging with different teams that I'm working with in the field, I really see that as a benefit because I've really gotten to experience and learn from employees um, or team members that have uh, maybe worked in Detroit um, and then worked in Birmingham. And that is always really interesting to me as a benefit. You know, obviously you get the 401k and all that stuff, but also, and this may seem a little superficial, but I'm someone that always enjoys learning. You can probably see from my degrees that I, if I could stay in school forever, I would, but you're always learning within aviation. And there's a lot of professional development programs that you can do. You can get certifications such as a part 107 license to fly the drone. Um, you can, you know, get certified in different areas such as emergency management within some of these industry groups. And I think that those, um, if you're working for a company that really promotes professional development, which I would encourage everyone to ask in interviews is how do you, um, how does the company promote um, employees doing professional development or do they support and help pay for those things? That's a really key benefit that I think gets overlooked a lot and is really beneficial to the employees. Like you said, a lot of rewards are are the consistent learning. That's for sure. It's uh, it's it's nice to have that. It really is to be always always learning in life, and that's very true in anything you do. I think, but you know, you mentioned Part One Hundred Seven a couple times, so I think we're going to have to circle back to that. Are there are there opportunities, more opportunities in that whole the UAS the the drone world? Are there more and more opportunities for aviation and law? Absolutely, I would say. Um, so part 107, just for any listeners that are not familiar with that, is um, it is the part of the regulation that requires that anyone that's going to fly a drone for commercial purposes has to get that license. So if you're going up and you're taking pictures at your friend's wedding and you're going to sell them to her, that's a commercial purpose. But again, this is all educational purposes. This is not me giving legal advice. But, you know, the the firm I worked at a few years back had me go get my Part 107 license so that I could speak adequately because the Part 107 teaches you the regulations. It teaches you if you can fly over people, what times a day you can fly in, the visibility and all the regulations set out about it. It also tells you if you're going to need to get um, different types of permits for the type of flight you want to do. And that was a great, um, I recommend anyone that's interested in that type of aviation law, get the license, even though you may not want to fly a drone. I am the worst person at flying a drone. And I lived in DC where it was not allowed to fly a drone, which is important to also know. Uh, so I tried to fly it in my law firm office and a couple walls got dented, but the partners were also attempting to fly the drone too. So I didn't get blamed fully, but um, in that regard, I think, as I mentioned, you know, you if you get that part 107, even if you don't have it, but learning the drone regulations, you can, you know, that's a huge thing for Amazon right now. You know, I believe FedEx, UPS, everyone's looking at autonomous, you know, technologies. And that is an area that I definitely think the industry is going into and where there is a need for attorneys that know it inside and out and can actually speak to it, but also understand the other industries, such as if I'm going to um, advise a client that's in oil and gas on such as the pipeline and using a drone for pipeline inspections, I better know what a pipeline is, how it works, what the drone would be used for and being able to regulate it. So that's an area where if you already are practicing such as oil and gas law, you might want to look at doing the part 107 and you can then merge your two different areas, which is a lot of times what aviation attorneys do. They have other fields that they practice in as well. 
Since you brought it up, um, you know, what type of jobs are there that aviation attorneys themselves pursue other than full-time law? Absolutely. You know, I think that there's a lot of different ones. Um, as some people go to the government and maybe working in a legal capacity, but there's also ones that go into lobbying, regulations, um, you know, accident investigations, uh, inspections, as well as a lot of attorneys that are in aviation, you know, we get used to working with our clients a lot, stakeholder management, um, investor relations. These are all just examples of areas that people might go into. And then also, um, you know, being able to be experts on it and speak about aviation law to news sources, um, different regards like that, being the expert that can go and explain things in regards to public speaking. So that might not always be a full-time job, but definitely an area or a side gig that many pursue. Yeah. You know, we, we know aviation attorneys have become airline pilots even and, and do many different jobs. <laughs> You know, this is actually a, a really cool field, I, I feel. And uh, and I hang out with a lot of it, aviation attorneys. I know I'm kind of a geek. But uh, we it's it's really it's fascinating to listen to some of what they're involved with. And if I was someone that said to, here in my old age uh, or somebody who's listening that's young, you know, I, I think this is something I want to pursue. I'm in my 50s. Um, I'm in my twenties, I'm in my thirties, you know, what kind of advice would you give to someone like myself or somebody who's younger starting out if they want to become an aviation attorney? Absolutely. Well, I think just kind of looking into the industry as a whole, looking and seeing what's going on, um, you know, for those who really enjoy social media, one of the social media pages that I like to plug is TSA's Instagram page. TSA has one of the best Instagram pages. So looking at that, and I know it sounds strange when I say TSA has a great Instagram page, but it actually has won a lot of awards, um, especially when it was ran by the late um, blogger Bob is what we called him. Um, he unfortunately passed, but he worked for TSA and he humanizes the aviation industry. So he would put up um, photos of things people brought through, uh, such as, you know, pretend grenades um, or throwing stars, the things that the, you know, you throw that are, can be weapons or different regards like that. That's a good way to kind of see what's going on and what you might be regulating. Um, reading policies, you know, talking, go, always asking, aviation, you know, reaching out to aviation attorneys. But, you know, once you've kind of gotten into it, the best way I say, and this is not just in regards to aviation law, but what I recommend any law student do as well as students in other capacities, Try to go to the conferences. A lot of times conferences have scholarships for students. And that is actually one of the ways that I got my foot in the door. I met um, a gentleman named David Heffernan at a conference that I went to as a student. And, you know, I, I followed up with him, asked if he wanted to get coffee and um, when I was going to be in D.C. next. And we actually then um, chatted and it things ended up working out where he then offered me a job as an associate. And I'd met him at a conference. So getting to know people in the industry and then talking with them so that you can figure out which areas of law you might want to go go into, but really following the different things that go on in the aviation industry. You know, one of the things I didn't really know that much about prior to getting my LLM was in regards to animals um, going on board the aircraft. And one of the my most favorite things that I had worked on um, as an associate was working on the regulations in regards to service animals and emotional support animals. And you might've seen Carl that 
they released a new regulation and, you know, people may not understand, like people might be upset with the regulation saying, I can't bring, you know, my emotional support um, animal on now if the airline doesn't allow it. But I think looking at the comments, that's a good comments, meaning the comments on the DOT notice of proposed rulemaking, great thing to just read through and see why some of these rules were made and see if this is something you want to go into. But that's a really fascinating area that really intrigued me and pushed me more into wanting to work in that type of law. Interesting. You know, the uh, one thing that I, I didn't think about that is going to all the, looking at all the different comments and that type of thing. Uh, there's many different other organizations you can get involved with, et cetera. So, um, you know, maybe we could put some of those in the show notes, uh, but maybe reading newsletters, et cetera, anything else that you could maybe give us some advice on if I'm thinking of getting into, or we're thinking of getting into aviation law. Um, absolutely. I think that you really, uh, brought up a good point in regards to newsletters. So looking at different firms that might, um, have great aviation newsletters. So Cozen O'Connor, you know, has a great aviation law news, um, letter as well as Fox Rothschild, um, has a great one in it. Fox Rothschild has an attorney named Mark Dumbroff. You might see him on the news a lot. Um, Mark has worked a lot with the NTSB. And so they have a very um, lively letter that goes out and following that. And then, like you said, looking at organizations. So some of the organizations that I would recommend that you could also follow on social media, follow their LinkedIn profiles and see what's going on is, um, we call it Iowa, International Aviation Women's Association. as well as AAAE, which is the um, American Association of Airport Executives, ACI Airports Council International. Um, Looking at those types of groups, there's a ton, Airlines for America. But really, you know, if you type in aviation law newsletters, see the types of those, as well as looking at the press releases from the um, different agencies, DOT, FAA, TSA, that'll get you really familiar with it. I wouldn't necessarily go and recommend reading the regulations because you'll likely confuse yourself. But if you want to do that, go right ahead as well. That could be very fascinating for some people. Yeah, it, it is. Some of it, but and it'll put you to sleep sometimes too, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's awesome. I mean, I love having all these resources for people. And by the way, we're going to make sure we get a few of those scholarships in the scholarships guide because we kind of, we've done a lot of scholarships uh, mainly in the field of aviation with pilots, et cetera. But uh we're going to start putting more and more attorney uh, scholarships out there. And I think that's really important for people to, to get into all different fields of uh, aerospace and aerospace law. One of the things that you mentioned though, is, you know, constantly moving in this career field, something that you've done and hats off to you for constantly moving forward. Sometimes we get stuck in a rut, uh, but you're, you're continuing to learn. Kind of curious. Um, I know you're enjoying your job, et cetera, and we're not going to get into specifics, but, you know, what, what's next for, for Jenny? Um, yeah, well, you know, it, like you said, I love continuing to progress. And, you know, I always like going into things that I might not know as much about, which seems a little strange, but that's how you become an expert on different areas. So, you know, I'm very interested um, in what's going on within the aviation industry on a global scale. And, you know, I really want to be a part of aviation's, you know, great comeback after the difficult year of 2020. We've all seen aviation struggling. Um, I want to find a way internationally or, you know, even abroad to be able to help, um, you know, get aviation back on its feet, continuing being that global connector of different cultures and people, you know, if, if 
aviation failed, we no longer have the way to really globally connect as easily as we do. So, you know, I plan to pursue paths that, you know, lead to international um, work and, you know, using both my legal skills, my crisis management skills to contribute positively to aviation worldwide is, you know, what I, you know, hope to do, continue to do next. And, you know, as a part of that, I'm really open to hearing um, from people with the same passions. And so if any of the listeners on here, um, you know, are looking at that or, uh, you know, might be looking at different opportunities or have different opportunities they want to chat about, I'd be more than happy to connect with them on LinkedIn, which I believe you're going to put in the show notes. So would love to, you know, chat with others. It's always great to find other aviation enthusiasts. Like, you know, Carl, I've, I've enjoyed since we connected following your LinkedIn, seeing all the great things you're doing. And, you know, I think the other um, big thing that, you know, while I say not just for me being next, but connecting with people within aviation on all aspects from aircraft mechanics to pilots, to flight attendants, and, you know, really learning from them, not being the lawyer that goes in and tells everyone how it's done is something I want to continue to do in my future. I want to be learning from the people that are experiencing it firsthand. And I guess one final thing on what's next is I've always wanted to do some of the flight attendant training. So if anyone ever has any opportunities where they need a volunteer to do that, I fully volunteer because that just, you know, they do flight attendants do so much and they really do ensure safety for all. And I think a lot of that gets overlooked, but I'd really love to be able to sometime go through some of that training and um, fully understand it. Yeah, hats off the flight tents. I mean, they truly are the frontline workers when it comes to aviation. Uh, you know, they're not just the people that serve you the cokes. They're they're the people that keep you safe, uh, and they're the first person you turn to when you have a problem. Is the flight attendant. So I'm glad you said that. You know, Jenny, this has been awesome having you on, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of questions. Obviously, we're going to have the, your LinkedIn profile at the bottom in the show notes. Feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com will actually forward some of those questions if there are some out there. Uh, but before we, we you know, sign off here, is there any, any last thoughts you have about, about the career of aviation attorneys and uh, the career of aviation in general? Do you, I know we're in a tough time. Um, you know, what do you see the, the future being in aviation and, and aviation law? You know, I, I'm glad you asked that, Carl, because I think aviation, like I said, we're going to have a great comeback. Aviation has always ended up thriving after difficult times. And, you know, these difficult times have allowed us to innovate and pursue new technologies. So I would really encourage folks to not just look at the aviation jobs they've heard about, but look at maybe technology companies, manufacturers, you know, construction or architect um, roles, but knowing that aviation is going to be around and it's going to come back and it's going to be on an international scale. So do not let that deter anyone from getting in the industry. While it might look difficult at this time, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to end up being positive and anyone that gets into it, you know, you always learn and you end up excelling if you've been through difficult times. And one um, other plug I needed to make in that regard is I'm on the board, um, board of advisors for the Aviation Community Foundation. And that is an organization where we help try and get youth involved in aviation. So, you know, check out check out Aviation Community, Community Foundation's website. But, you know, we really tell the youth there is definitely careers coming in aviation. Pursue it. Look at it. Don't let your dreams fail. Just because it may look dire, you hear these different things on the news. The airlines, we're going to come back and it's going to go well. 
I'm so glad you said that. I mean, it's uh, it seems like a roller coaster ride, but you know what? The top of the roller coaster is always higher than it was before, and I think uh, I'm excited for that, and so are you. Jenny, again, thanks so much for being here. This has been such a pleasure talking to you, and I can't wait to see what's next in your career. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I I am definitely going to be making sure to continue listening to the podcast. And I I really enjoyed speaking with you today. So thank you again for having me. You know, if you're somebody that's interested in in aviation, aviation law, we really appreciate uh, having Jenny here today. I mean, she's somebody that's really brought forth a lot of great information. But, you know, most importantly is, you know, if you're really interested, don't just play, you know, stop playing this podcast, do something after this, you know, don't stop here. It could be all those things that we have in the profile, uh, in the show notes. It could be just reading an article, checking out the websites. Uh, but the most important thing is don't stop. I know things are tough right now. Uh, but, uh, but we'll get through this. We always have, I mean, like it's been, there's ups and there's downs, but the most important thing that you can do for me and for Jenny, just like she said, is is keep moving forward in, in your career. Keep moving forward. Take one step today to move forward in your career and in your flying life. And you know what? I'm sure we'll get through this by just doing that. If we could all just take one step today to move forward in our career, in our goals, in our life, in our flying life. And, uh, and I think it's going to be a bright future in aviation. Well, folks, I appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. 